Hi, this is Pastor Jeff, and I just want to take a moment to thank you for subscribing to our podcast. Hey, if these resources have been a blessing to you, would you please consider supporting us so we can continue to be here and reach even more people for Christ? Look for the donate link right here on your podcast player. Thanks again, and I hope you enjoy today's message. God bless you. Welcome to From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve, who's in a powerful series, The Days of Noah. Today, you'll learn how close the judgment of God really is as the evidence mounts because we're living in a world gone wicked. starting a new series today called The Days of Noah, and we're going to look at what the Bible says about these important days, days that were past and days that are coming because Jesus said that they're going to be the days that are coming are going to be just like the days of Noah that have passed. Now, Noah has been in the news a lot in the last several months because Hollywood did a big, huge uh, movie about Noah. They spent $120 million producing Noah, and then probably another 50, 70, maybe $80 million uh, advertising the movie Noah with Russell Crowe and whoever else is in it. And I was all excited about Noah until I found out that the director boasted that this was going to be the most unbiblical of biblical epics. And I said, well, I'm not going to that. I don't want to give that guy a thin dime if he's going to produce a biblical epic that is the most unbiblical, and he's proud of it. Now, uh, it's okay if you saw it, but, uh, but I didn't want to see it because I had read about it, and I read how uh, it, it had nothing to do with, uh, it, you know, maybe they had a flood in there, right? So it had, a, and it had a big boat. I mean, it had something to do with Noah, but it didn't go off the text at all. And so in this series, we're going to look and see what does the Bible say about the days of Noah. Obviously, we know from Scripture that the days of Noah were days of judgment, and God destroyed the world with a flood. Forty days and forty nights of intense rain that flooded everything and blotted out man and beast and anything that breathed, creeping things and birds, anything that breathed from the earth was blotted out during the days of Noah. They were days of judgment. And I believe that these are important days to study because as it was, so shall it be. And as the people of that day were coming up on judgment and they didn't even realize it, I think the people of our day, we're coming up on judgment, and many people don't even realize it. It was some decades ago that Ruth Bell Graham, Billy Graham's wife, who's in heaven now, she died in 2007. But it was in the late 60s, early 70s, when she told Billy these words, if God doesn't judge America, 
I think he's going to have to, to issue an apology to Sodom and Gomorrah. That was decades ago when she said that. How much closer are we to judgment? So this study is going to be a word of warning. It's going to be a word of wake up because so many of us have fallen asleep in compromise and mediocrity in our Christian lives. And it's an opportunity for us to get right with God while there's still time. So today we want to look at this subject, a world gone wicked. Hey, what do we learn from Scripture about the days of Noah? If you have your Bible, please turn to Genesis chapter 6. You're going to get so much more out of today if you will follow along in your Bible. There's a Bible in the, in the pew in front of you if you don't have a Bible with you. The Scriptures will be on the screens, but we're going to go refer back to them several times. So it would just be helpful if you had an open Bible in your lap. Genesis chapter 6, I'll begin reading in verse 1. Now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to the birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. What do we learn from Scripture about the days of Noah? Three discoveries I want you to notice with me. Discovery number one, the devil is hard at work. Hard at work during the days of Noah. Now, the book of Genesis is the book of beginnings. It's the book of origins. And when we read in Genesis, we read about the creation story. We read how God spoke and it came into being. The book of Genesis doesn't tell us anything about evolution. You know why? Because evolution doesn't exist. That's why. Okay? Uh, that's, that's one of the reasons it doesn't talk about that. Uh, you have evolution within the species, obviously. You don't have evolution outside of the species. Uh, a, a duck doesn't become a grasshopper or vice versa. You don't have things like that. Uh, God set it up, and, and he spoke it into existence just like he said. Six days of creation. Well, we have that in Genesis chapter 1. We have everything is being created. And in Genesis chapter 2, we zero in on day 6 of creation, and God is telling us about creating man. Adam was created first, and then Eve was created to be Adam's helper, to be the one suitable to him, to be the one that, that could come alongside him, help him, and be fruitful and multiply with him. And we read about that. And, you know, at the end of Genesis chapter 1, where God gives the broad picture of how everything is going, he said, and it was very good. Now, the women know that it, it was only good 
until the woman came along, and then it became very good. Chapter 2, it's going good, and that's when God brings Eve to Adam, and they get married. And for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. It's a wonderful experience. They're in the Garden of Eden. They're there together. They're married. They're experiencing the love of God. There is no shame. There is nothing to cover up. Life is wonderful. But then Genesis chapter 3, we are introduced to the serpent. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God has made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And in chapter 3, we have the fall of man. And the serpent deceives Eve, and Eve eats of the forbidden fruit. And she gives some to Adam, and Adam eats of the forbidden fruit. And their eyes were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together. And then when God comes down in the cool of the day to walk with them, what are they doing? They're hiding from the presence of God. They were, in chapter 2, naked and not ashamed, and now they're covered up, and they're afraid, and they're ashamed, and they're hiding. And God pronounces judgment. He finds out... Uh, not finds out for information. God knows everything. But he asks them, did you eat of the tree I told you not to eat of? And so then they tell him what's going on. And the serpent deceived me, Eve tells God. And then God pronounces judgment upon the serpent. And in God's pronouncement of judgment upon the serpent, something very interesting, God promises a Savior. After the fall, God promises a Savior. Genesis Chapter 3, verse 15, in the Good News Bible, the Lord says this, I will make you and the woman hate each other. He's speaking to the devil, the serpent. I will make you and the woman hate each other. Her offspring and yours will always be enemies. Her offspring will crush your head, and you will bite her offspring's heel. Now, Bible scholars tend to all agree that that is a veiled reference to the Savior that's coming. It literally says not the offspring of the woman, but the seed of the woman. And the woman doesn't have a seed. The woman has an egg. The man has a seed. But God talks about the seed of the woman, speaking of the virgin birth of his son. And here's the thing. There's going to come forth from Eve a Savior. And he, the, the serpent, is going to strike him on the heel. And the serpent did that to Jesus on the cross. But Jesus is going to conquer death, hell, and the grave, and he's going to crush the serpent's head. And that's happened. That happened when he rose from the dead. And so in Genesis chapter 3, right after the fall, God promises a Savior. You know, the Bible is really a story of sin and a story of redemption. And so in Genesis 3, you have sin and you have the promised Redeemer. Well, the devil heard the curse. He heard what God said. He heard Genesis 3.15. There's going to come an offspring of the woman, the seed of the woman. He didn't understand it all. There's no way. But he knew that, hey, something's going to happen. There's going to be a child from this woman that is going to crush my head, so I need to get after that child. And that's what you have. God gives a promise after the fall, and the devil works after the fall to thwart the promise. He wants to thwart God's promise. Why? Because if he can thwart the promise of God, then God becomes a promise breaker. If God becomes a promise breaker, what do we call people who break promises? Liars. If God becomes a liar, then God becomes a sinner. 
And if God becomes a sinner, God can't be God anymore. He can't be holy God because now he'd be tainted with sin and God would topple from his throne of holiness and the devil would win and heaven would shut down. See, the devil is at work here. And what do we find in Genesis chapter 4? Right off the bat, he goes after the offspring of Eve. And Cain, the oldest son, kills Abel, the other son because of jealousy, because of anger, because God didn't accept his sacrifice. And so what does the devil say? He said, okay, well, the, the, who's ever coming, this offspring of woman, it can't be Cain because Cain is a murderer now, and it can't be Abel because Abel's dead. And so he's working to try and destroy the promise. First discovery is the devil is hard at work. Second discovery is man goes from innocence to the depths of depravity. From innocence to the depths of depravity. That's how God created man. He was totally innocent in the garden. He wasn't declared righteous. It's different to be righteous, declared righteous by God, versus being innocent. Adam never sinned, so he was innocent. But the righteousness of God had not been imputed to him. That happens to a Christian who receives Christ. A Christian who received Christ is justified before God, just as if you've never sinned. Well, Adam had never sinned, but he was capable of falling. He was capable of losing his relationship with God, and that's what happened to him. And he goes from innocence to his eyes being opened to falling so far. You know how many years it was from the time of the creation of Adam until the flood? Sometimes we think, you know, because we're influenced by evolutionary thoughts, so we think, well, it had to be uh, probably, I don't know, billions of years or something like that. When you take the geological record in the Old Testament, you will find this, 1,656 years from the creation of Adam until the flood. 1,656 years. Now, God said in Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, that his spirit would not always strive with man, yet his days shall be 120 years. So when you back out 120 years, when we read these things in Genesis chapter 6, that's year 1536. It's been a little over 1,500 years, and the world has gotten so wicked in that period of time. And what makes it even more startling is there are two guys who lived overlapped their life in that 1,536-year period, in that 1,656-year period. Two guys. Adam lived to be 930. Methuselah, he lived to be 969. But here you have these two guys, and so you can know what's going on if you lived in the world at that time because the eyewitnesses were there. And the world in that 1,656 years, or if you back out the 120, then it's just the 1,536 years is so wicked. There's a population explosion, and there's all this wickedness going on with demons, and the people are welcoming in the demons into their lives and into their unions. And it says in verse 5, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. God saw it. Now, he knew it, but now he, the eyes of the Lord are in every place watching the evil and the good, but then the Lord really focuses in and says, this is what the world is. 
it is wicked to the core. The wickedness of man is off the chain. And God saw that. And there is no redeeming man. Every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Let that sink in. That's what God saw. It says in the God's Word translation, all day long their deepest thoughts were nothing but evil. That's what God saw. What do you do with that? There's no raw material to work with in that kind of a heart. And that's what God saw. Wickedness off the chain. And the world is characterized by two things during the days of Noah, vice and violence. Vice and violence. Say, what is vice? Vice is immorality. And sexual immorality was rampant during the days of Noah. And people are sinning right and left, and they're not thinking a thing about it. In Noah's day, the earth was filled with violence. Everywhere you looked, there was violence. And it was a place that was irredeemable. So man goes from innocence to the depths of depravity, and then discovery number three, God is brokenhearted and has no choice but to judge. It says in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 6, and the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. You know what it means when it says that God was sorry? That word sorry means to sigh. It means to breathe strongly. God, first it says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, that God said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is but flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. God said, and then it says in verse 5, God saw the wickedness of man was great, and then it tells us what God felt as he looked out. He was sorry. He breathed a sigh. He looked out upon wicked man, and he went. <sighs> he breathed strongly. He was grieved in his heart. He had pain in his heart. And God is speaking in anthropomorphic language like, like he's a man, and, and like he's a man looking out at, at the, the, his creation, and he's just, ah, ah just so heavy in his heart that he sees all this stuff that in Genesis chapter 1 was very good. Now it is disastrous, and the earth is filled with wickedness off the chain, and it's filled with violence, and God is grieved over sin. Now, it's important to note that not all sin is created equal. Sometimes we like to say, well, you know, sin is sin, no matter what it is. I mean, if I'm at the grocery store and I steal a, a two-cent piece of gum, that's sin, just like if I uh, robbed a bank and stole $2 million. It's all the same in the sight of God. Sin is sin. Uh, kind of, but not really. God is going to send a flood and wipe everybody out. Why? Because somebody charged a little too much on a herd of goats? No. There's, there's some deep sin here. The wickedness of man was great on the earth. Hey, any sin will keep you from the Savior, but there's a sin that brings consequences. You know, if I, if I go out on Moore's Lane and I get caught going uh, 60 in a, in a 45, why well, get a ticket? But I'm not going to go to the pen for that for 10 years, hopefully. 
Now, I might have to pay a $100 fine. Hey, there, there's some laws you break that have these consequences and some others that have these consequences. You start breaking big laws as they were doing, and you bring upon yourself the judgment of God. Now, God is grieved over sin. It hurts him. Now, I want you to think about this. If God is grieved when he looks out on the masses who did not know him, and he's grieved in his heart, it pains him in his heart to see them living sinful lives, how much more when he sees his own children, those who claim the name of Christ, and you're living a sinful life. God is grieved. He's hurt. It pains him in his heart. Scripture says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit who's given to you, who's your pledge of redemption. Don't grieve him. Don't pain him. That hurts God. He's grieved over sin, and he's grieved when he's forced to judge. There are three people, three classes of people in this room, three classes of people watching on television, listening on radio, on live streaming, three classes. You tell me which class you're in. Number one, there's the class, the lost person. Person that doesn't know Christ. Maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know about him in your head, but you've never entrusted your whole life to him. And you're here. And the Lord is calling you. I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies. The Lord says, therefore, repent. Turn from your wicked ways. Come to me and live. And God is calling to you to come. You're a lost person. The Lord loves you and he wants to save you. Second class of people here today. You're a saved person, but you're a saved person who's grieving God because you're not walking with God. You're not pleasing God. You're not obeying God. You know you're not. You're living in sexual immorality. See, that's one of the, the marks of the, the, the days of Noah. You just don't care what God thinks about it. Let the marriage bed be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers. God will judge. And you say, well, who cares? Yeah, I'm living with my boyfriend. I'm living with my girlfriend. Yeah, we're not married, but who cares? It matters to God. It matters to God. And if you're living like that, you're grieving his heart if you know him. You're never going to grow in your relationship with him because you're not obeying him. And some of you are here like that. Whatever your, your sin might be, you're just giving over this little area of your heart. You have this pocket of rebellion, this pocket of sin, and you're holding it in there, and you think, well, I can still walk with God. You can't. You're going to grieve him, and he's going to sigh over you. doesn't mean you're going to die and go to hell. If you really belong to him, you won't. But do you really want to live your life like that? Is that what you want to give to the Savior when you die and you stand before God and you say, well, God, I just blew you off my whole time as a Christian. But now, little children, the Bible says, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink back in shame at his coming. You don't want to be, be like that. There's a third group, third class. And that's the person, not perfect, not doing everything right, but a desire in his heart, a desire in her heart to please God. And you're not grieving him, you're pleasing him. You're dealing with sin in your life, you're getting it out, and you're walking with him, you're spending time with him, you're saying, here I am, Lord, fill me, use me. I want to be the person you want me to be. God takes great pleasure in a person like that. 
I want to close with this question. When you look soberly within, is God pleased with you or is he grieved over you? My friend, the Lord loves you. Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again from the dead. And if you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus, you can today. Just pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I need you. I know that I'm a sinner and I'm lost and I can't save myself, but I believe you are God in the flesh who died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the dead. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life, forgive me of my sins, be my Lord and Savior. I surrender my all to you. My friend, if you'll pray that kind of prayer and mean it, the Lord will come in and your life will never be the same. Hey, I'd love to hear from you, to know that you're watching, to know that God is using this broadcast in your life, to know that you just prayed that prayer to receive Christ as Savior and Lord. Please take the time to call that toll-free number on the screen, write me, email me, let me know what's going on and how we can pray for you. You are important to God and you're important to us and we're here for you. Today's message, A World Gone Wicked, is available in multiple formats. For information about how to get your copy, call 877-777-6171 or go online to fromhisheart.org. Hey, would you like to know about the future? Well, Jesus has told us that the future is going to be much like the past. In fact, he said, for the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. Noah's days, they were filled with wickedness and corruption, vice and violence. Hey, he lived in a world where people were on the precipice of judgment, and they didn't even realize it. And the same thing is happening today all around us. And the tragic part is that so many Christians have fallen asleep at the wheel. They're compromising with sin, they're basking in God's grace, while ignoring God's truth. Now, certainly the Lord is rich in patience, but his patience is not without limits. And because God is a holy God, judgment is surely coming just as it came in Noah's day. Now in Genesis 6, 9, we read these words, Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. And God is calling you and me to come out from the darkness and walk in the light with him. If you want to do just that, I hope you'll get my seven message series titled The Days of Noah and my companion booklet, Strong Faith for Tough Times. They'll provide a word of warning and a word of encouragement for you and for our world. So request these two resources when you contact us today. God bless you. To say thank you for your gift of support this month to From His Heart, we'd like to send you Pastor Jeff Shreve's seven message series, The Days of Noah along with his encouraging booklet, Strong Faith for Tough Times, When the Impossible Meets God. Your gift of support makes such a difference. So thank you for standing with Pastor Jeff at this critical time in our history. Together, boldly sharing the truth of God's word to a lost and dying world. Thank you for watching From His Heart, the viewer-supported broadcast outreach of Dr. Jeff Shreve, who believes that no matter how badly you may have messed up in life, God still loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Find out more at fromhisheart.org. Real truth, real love.